Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. First of all, let me say to those folk that came up here, welcome to the family. <laughs> welcome to the family. It's great to be in a family. And no family is perfect. No family, trust me, no family is perfect. Yeah. What? You're right. Okay. But family is family. So we want to welcome you to family. We really want to do, I want to encourage you to be you, be yourself, relax, put your feet up, take it easy, whatever, but just be part of the family. Amen. So, and let God be God. So this morning I have the privilege again of preaching to you. Um, um, my son phoned me, um, when was it? Friday afternoon, I was down in Richmond with my daughter, Michelle and I, Chantel, we were visiting her, and said, listen, I'm still getting over something, do you mind preaching? So I said, yeah, no, that's, uh, <coughs> that's okay. <laughs> so we drove home, got home at three o'clock, and then uh, got stuck into finding something to, to bring to us. I trust you're well. You are? Yes, it's always a privilege to preach, it is always a privilege to preach. Michelle and I have a distinct privilege of, of traveling, as many of you know, and we travel to different countries, different cultures, different groups of people, and it's a privilege. It really is a privilege. We never want to take that for granted. It does take toll on the body sometimes, but that's okay. That's just part of the nature of the ki extending the kingdom. Um, but I'm telling the story because I wanted to be intro into what I want to speak about today. And uh, even wherever we go, sometimes we stay in people's houses and sometimes they put us up in a hotel. We leave it in their hands, whatever is best for them. I find as I'm getting on in years, it's a little bit easier sometimes to stay in a hotel. But um, it just is because of the nature of having to go to the toilet 18 times in a night. But anyway, <laughs> and when you're in a new house, you walk into doors and cupboards, you know, not too sure where you are. But anyway... <laughs> So, um, and it's a privilege to stay in people's homes. It really is. We get to know them. They get to know us. And so, and we always, always make it whatever situation we find ourselves in, we embrace. And we, um, even if it's a tough situation, we do it for him, if you understand what I'm trying to say. But I have noticed over the years, it's like somebody knocks on your door and you welcome them into your home. And now they're in your home, and depending on how you receive them as to how welcome they, they be in your home. And in some homes we go into, we are very welcome. Most homes we go into. But we see the welcome in terms of their preparation. Like it's fresh bed, freshly made bed, clean sheets, a towel for you when you go and bath, or whatever the case is. Some of them even give up their their own rooms, the husband and wife, give up their rooms and go sleep on the floor in the kids' room. And we have their bedroom uh, with the ensuite bathroom, if they have one of those, and whatever the case is. And it's a privilege. It really is a privilege. And we often get texts before we go and about what we eat and what we don't eat. And I, I say, I eat anything, and then I send a long list for Michelle. She doesn't eat this, this. No, I'm teasing. Okay. <laughs> and, um, but it's a privilege. And you just feel very welcome. You feel hosted, that's the best way I can put it. And some people have a gift of hosting. They do. Some people's houses go into you just, it's like you want to just move in there, if you know what I mean. And, but you've got no responsibilities. They're doing everything and you're just relaxing or whatever the case is. Now, we're all called to host to some degree. 
but some just have the gift. But unfortunately, there's some homes we go into, and when we enter in, we feel, what are we doing here? Like the beds hasn't been made, or the sheets are not clean. You can see they haven't been cleaned for maybe four weeks, or whatever the case is. And now I said to Michelle, I think I'll sleep on the floor, or whatever the case is. And and uh, you've traveled long distances. It's not a complaint. I'm just trying to give you the analogy. And then you arrive there, and we're not too sure if we're going to eat or we're not going to eat. And we think they're going to feed us, and they don't feed us. And then we go to the meeting, and I'm starving. And then I get grumpy. Or, what do they call it? Hunger. Whatever the case is. Uh, whatever the case is. And the Lord's got to slap me and say, wake up, Grenfell. It's not about how hungry you are. And um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Um, and so you, you wonder, do they really want us to be there? But we go because we were invited. And it's not about what people have. I remember us often going up to Zimbabwe, and in those days they, they don't even have less now. But those people would host us to the best of the ability. We found out they would walk miles like a week or two before we came to get some thatching, grass, so they can make a thatched roof because of the heat of the sun, and we can sit under the thatched roof. They even dug toilets for us because they don't have that. They don't have any running water, and people would wake up at 4.30 in the morning and walk all the way down to the river, or there's a, what do you call those pumps that you pump water out, like for the whole community, and they take these big buckets, and they fill it up, and they put it on their head, and they carry it, and they bring it back, and then they, they put it on the fire to warm it up for us. So when we wake up, there's a hot water for us, to bathe in. And it's not a bath that we think, it's a round sink tub, probably about this big and about this high, and you've got to sit in there like this. And, but they're doing the best they know how to host us. And they give up their beds, and their beds are not like we would be used to. There's springs sticking out all over the show, so you've got to twist your body around the springs as you sleep. But they're hosting to the best of their ability. They're giving all they know how. They even, I remember one time we went to Zimbabwe, we sat down to have some breakfast and we heard the goats outside and the next thing we heard, oh, oh, one got slaughtered. It was the best goat and that was our breakfast. And if you know what I mean. <laughs> and Michelle said, yay. No, she didn't. <laughs> yeah, he did. He said, yay. And I still remember they brought it in half cooked and there was still hair hanging on it and whatever the case is. But you just do it because it's the kingdom. You understand what I'm trying to say? They're doing the best. They're hosting us. They really are. And, um, and so it's key to understand about hosting the presence of God. When he enters in your heart and my heart, does he know he's welcome to be hosted? You see, because the kingdom's an eternal work before it's an outward work. It starts eternally. Everything of the kingdom starts eternally. There's an ongoing eternal work that will have an ongoing outward manifestation. So the gospel will always produce an inward heart change, an inward heart journey. Always produce it so that there's an outward action that corresponds to what's happening on the inside. And that's how we develop this vital, living, wonderful relationship with, they have with Jesus Christ. But in order to continue this relationship, in order for the Holy Spirit that's in your life and in my life 
to be able to do what the Holy Spirit will do, we have to host him. Now, it's a bad analogy in the sense of that if we are hosted by somebody, they still own the house. But when I host the Holy Spirit in my life, he owns me. I don't own him. But we got to give him access. He won't go where he's not welcome. He won't. He won't go where he's not welcome. He won't go where he has not given access to. He just won't, even though he lives within you. And so there's always this inward work in this inward journey of the Holy Spirit that's living within us that will change the stuff that's inside of me, change my heart and my attitudes so there'll be a corresponding outward manifestation of what's happening inside. The gospel is from the inside out. It's not from the outside in. And so everything we receive in the kingdom, we receive it and it gets deposited within us. And as we give whatever God's deposited with them, whatever initial work he started, as we give him room and space, and as we remain tender in his hands, and as we continue to surrender, because when you first give your life to the Lord, you believe you surrendered everything, and you find out a couple of years later, no, no, hang on a minute. I thought I did, but there's other areas as well. But the Lord knows that. It's not, a big, it's not an issue. He knows that. But as we continue to host him and give him access into the areas of our lives that he wants to go to bring the dynamic change that only the Holy Spirit can bring, we've got to learn how to host him. We've got to learn how to make him feel welcome. We've got to have a clean bed for him, in a sense. We've got to have the food on the table for him, in a sense, if you understand what I'm saying. So turn with me to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. Take you to three scriptures. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 14. Go to verse 13. It says, And you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, that's all, just believed, not done anything. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Go with me to 2 Corinthians, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Two Corinthians chapter one, if you go to verse 20, for no matter how many promises God has made, there are yes in Christ, and so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Verse 21, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 21. Now it is God, it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, he set his seal of ownership on us, he put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what's to come. One more scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what's to come. So those three scriptures clearly tell us that when you believed in Jesus and you got born again, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you and came to live inside of me. And it's a deposit guaranteeing what's coming. 
That's wonderful news. So he lives in you. You have the king of the universe, the creator of everything, living in you and living in me. Will we host him? Will we give him access? Will we allow him to do the work he needs to do? Because only he can do what's needed to do to change your attitude or my attitude. It's not about behavior modification. It's about a change of heart. It's not about remodeling. It's about putting to death one part of us and making another part of us come alive and afresh and new. But only he can do it. We can try, but it's not going to work. It won't last. It won't have impact for a long time. But when the Holy Spirit does the work, it's an everlasting work. And so you've got to be patient with yourself because God is patient with us. But he will do the work if we allow him and host him to the best of our ability, to the best that we know how. So in 1 Thessalonians, you don't have to turn there, I'll just quote it. 1 Thessalonians 5.19, Paul says this, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Don't quench him. Don't stop what he's doing. In Ephesians 4.30, the, the, uh, the NIV says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with which you were sealed, sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve it. The living, New Living Translation, because Clayton's been reading from that, says this, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you'll be saved on the day of redemption. I want to read the Passion Translation of that scripture. Just got to give me time to find it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. So if I didn't give you the address of that, Ephesians 4, verse 30 says this. The Holy Spirit of God has sealed you in Jesus Christ until you experience your full salvation. So never grieve the Spirit of God or take for granted His holy influence in your life. I love that translation. So we're encouraged very strongly. And if you read Ephesians 4, verse 30, if you read the preceding verse 29 and the next verse, verse 21, it talks about the way we speak. It's very interesting. It talks about the way we speak. And Paul, right in the middle, says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, but I'm running ahead of myself. So, very simply, what I want to do, and I've touched on this before, but I felt like I just want to, do it again. In Galatians 5, 16, the Bible, Paul says this, So I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. You see, because only the Spirit of God can put to death the stuff that you're still struggling with. You cannot put it to death. Trust me. I tried for many years, and I found I lost my joy. I got too intense on myself out of my desire to follow God, out of my desire for love for Him. And it's like the Lord had to wake me up and say, Ken, what are you doing? Just let me do the work. Just let me do the work. Just keep submitting. Just keep yielding. That's what you've got to keep doing. Galatians 5.25 says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. 
Now, between Galatians 5.16 and Galatians 5.25, there are two lists. And one is the list of the work of the flesh, and the other one is the list of the fruit of the Spirit. It's interesting that Paul puts those between these two verses. It's so we can know this is a work of the Spirit, and this is not a work of the Spirit, because you'll see it by the outward action. So it helps us. You with me? You all still with me? Galatians 6, verse 8. I'm throwing some scriptures out of you. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So, how do we create an environment inside of us and in our life that hosts the Holy Spirit that is within us, that sealed us for the day of redemption? that will continue to work in us. Because Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, He will lead you, He will guide you, He will teach you truth. He will show you the anointing. He will do the work. He will do the work. And so we could create an environment. We've got to position ourselves in order, in a way that we align because of our just day-to-day lifestyle. We're giving the Spirit continued access into all that He needs to do in us. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I'm not saying this very well. Oh, thank you. All right. (laughs) How do we create an environment? How do I create an environment in my life that the Holy Spirit, in a sense, will know he has free access to do whatever he chooses in and through my life? Because it's always in my life, but it's through my life to other people. It's not just for me. You understand what I'm trying to say? Because it's the Spirit who gives life. So it's very simple. All right. Praise the living Lord. Okay. We've got a little bit of time. So it's what I call sowing to the Spirit. What are some of the attitudes that I can cultivate in my life that in a sense the Holy Spirit knows you're welcome? You're welcome. You're welcome, Holy Spirit. I know you live within me, but I want to daily show that you're welcome. You're welcome to do whatever you choose to do. You're welcome to lead me where you want to lead me. You're welcome to put to death the misdeeds of my flesh that still want to rise up from time to time. You're welcome. I want to make the bed for you. I want to make sure it's clean sheets. I want to know that you are very welcome. Very welcome. Hello? So I've got some practical things, very practical. And you've heard me touch on some of these before. First and most important, walk in forgiveness. First and most important, walk in forgiveness. Unforgiveness grieves the Holy Spirit. It's like he stops. Please walk, learn to walk in unforgiveness. Or forgiveness, sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Just want to see if you're awake. Thank you. And if you're married, you'll be tested. Probably weekly. Maybe daily, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe hourly, who knows? (laughs) You will be tested. 
I'm telling you now, you'll be tested if you're married. You will. Praise the living Lord. That's how I know I'm giving him access to my life. That's how I know that I've got to learn to continually walk in an attitude of forgiveness to those that have injured me or bad-mouthed me or hurt me or criticized me or I've taken offense against. And sometimes it doesn't just happen overnight. It takes a while to get to that place. And if you need to, go find some help, somebody you trust that can help you walk into this. Unforgiveness is such a big thing, people. When we hold unforgiveness and the bitterness, it has impact on our physical body. It has impact on those around me. That's what tends to happen. And I want to go into depth because we've done teaching on it. Please learn to walk in forgiveness. I encourage you as strong as I can encourage you. Yeah, even if they don't, 100% correct. Even if they don't, even if they keep coming back at you, you've got to learn to walk in forgiveness. You've got to let it go. Because I find unforgiveness will lock you into the time and space that the event happened. And everything's moving on, but you locked you. You're locked there. And it keeps coming and reoccurring in your life. And unfortunately, you're going to have opportunity, as I said, in your life for this to happen a number of times. Unforgiveness is one of the greatest keys to the gospel. Forgiveness. Jeez, I get it. You can see I didn't, you can, you can see I didn't sleep very much. <laughs> You're getting the point, so that's fine. So I'll move on from there. All right, okay. Number two, closely followed to that one. Please don't complain. Now, that's a little more difficult. And I know Clayton's touched on it. He spent a great sermon on it, and I encourage you to go get it. Don't complain. Paul says this in Philippians. I think it's Philippians chapter 2. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. It's God who works in you. It's God who works in you to will and to do and to act according to his good purpose. The very next verse is, don't complain and argue. Very next verse. So things come, situations happen, things we don't expect. Um, I'm still learning this when I drive in traffic. <laughs> he is, thank you, I'm still learning this. Like I say to Michelle, Michelle, doesn't that person know if they put their foot down a little more, the car will go faster. But anyway, <laughs> sorry, sorry, I'm just a little bit too real sometimes. Okay, but complaining doesn't help. If you want to read what happened to the Israelites in that coming out of Egypt, they were delivered out of slavery. But they just complained and complained and complained and complained. I'm not, it's there for Scripture for us to learn and see. And eventually, after the tenth time, God says, all right, that's what you keep saying. I'll give you what you want. All right, I'll give you what you want. But it's amazing. Graciously, he looked after them. Their feet never swelled. Their shoes never wore out. They had food. But they never entered the fullness of what he had intended for them. The next generation had to do that. Because his promises won't go away. And so when we learn not to complain, what we do is we set a roadway or a highway for those that are coming behind us. We really do. So I'm encouraging you. 
Next one. Very simple things I said. Walk in humility. Cultivate humility in your life as best as you know how. And the only way I know how to do that, because the Bible says humble yourself. So there's something I got to do for that to happen. And there's three things I find that helps me, in a sense, cultivate that sense of humility. Number one, cultivate praise and worship in your life. Because when you praise and worship, he's exalted, I am lowered. It puts us in perspective. So cultivate that. I've said this before. I don't listen to the news anymore. I used to listen to the news when I traveled from particularly traveling to the office here or back. But I just got so fed up with it because of all the negativity that was on it. And I decided just to listen to praise and worship. And I found when I got here, when I got back home, my attitude was different. Isn't that amazing? Even with the traffic. <laughs> Even with the traffic. <laughs> so cultivate that. Cultivate a lifestyle of praise and worship whenever you can. Secondly, under cultivating humility, cultivate a lifestyle of honor. Honor people. Thank people. Honor your leaders. Honor your parents. Please honor your parents. I'm not saying they're the best parents. You might say, you don't know what happened to me. I don't. But the, I cannot change the truth of the Bible. Honor your father and mother so that it go well with you. Honor. And my precious wife over there, she was brilliant at this. She honored her mom and dad always. Always. And then she had the pleasure of marrying me. That's what I'm teasing. Okay. Please, cultivate, honor God. Honor others. Honor your leaders. Honor your spouse. Honor them. Also, under humility, cultivate a lifestyle. We all know this. Of gratitude and wise generosity. Of gratitude. Be thankful. Be thankful for what we have. Be thankful to God. Be thankful for the people. And be gracious. Be, be graciously generous with what he's given you. I encourage you, you can never outgive God. We can never. We just be wise in it, because sometimes we can be a little silly and get ourselves into a place that we shouldn't be. Just wise generosity. All right. I've got another number more. Next one. Keep short accounts. Keep short accounts with God and keep short accounts with people. Don't let it fester. Don't let it fester. Because as you fester, what happens is you begin to grieve the very Holy Spirit, and you keep short account. If you mess up, keep it short. Keep a short account. Run to the Lord. Sort it out with Him. Next one, remain or abide in the Word as best as you know how. Some people really love the Word. Other people, it's find a little bit more difficult. So the best of how you're wired, please don't try and compete with somebody else. Please just be who you are, but as best as you know how, begin to get the Word inside of you. Because the Word is a double-edged sword. The Word will do the work that you cannot do in your own life and own heart. Your Word will change the way you think. The Word will do that because it has power attached to it. It's power. The Word of God is powerful. Hello, you all know this stuff. Persist in prayer. Develop a lifestyle of persisting in prayer. I remember when I first got saved, I used to send extended periods in prayer. Um, 
I just did. When I, but I find as I'm getting older, I don't need those extended periods because I find it just happens even as I'm driving the car. I'm just talking to God already. Which is, that's all it is, is just pray. So I find I'm continually talking to him. So even as I was, t- Michelle and I were driving back from Richmond, I'm already talking to him about Sunday. Lord, what, do you, what is it? What, what should we do? I just don't want you, what do you, what, what would help your people? That's how I approach things. So persist in prayer. Next one, embrace and cultivate fellowship. Embrace. Don't wait for people to phone you. You phone them. If you're in this church and nobody's phoned you, phone somebody. You take the initiative. Hallelujah. And you'll see, if you just say, Lord, who do you want me to phone? You'll be driving your car and somebody will come to mind. They'll just, and it seems so natural. It just seems so natural. So you phone them or text them. How are you doing? I was thinking about you. That's simple. And see the response you get and take it from there. See what door opens. Like, where's Steve Gerlich? Is Steve Gerlich here? This man's going for an operation this week. Please pray for this man. Pray for his life. Sorry, Steve. I maybe didn't want that public knowledge. Oh, forgive me. But I, I can't get this man off my mind. I don't know why. I just can't. I just know there's something of God in it. God loves fellowship, and he loves fellowship this way as well. Please don't isolate yourself. Please don't isolate yourself. It's not good to be isolated. So cultivate you're welcome to say whatever you like. You can even tell me to sit down. It's fine. <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> As I've always said, when I come here, he's the boss. When he comes to my house, I'm the boss. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. I never interrupt the sermon, but I, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to say this. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, please. You have to apologize. When we used to do youth retreats, the intensity in me for the power of God, the presence of God, and people are going to get delivered and set free, and God's going to, you know, blast them across the room and all of that. And that all happened. That was wonderful. But something I actually learned from my parents was, you know, I would wake up, I would preach Friday night till the kids were basically asleep, just preach forever. And then Saturday morning, wake up, and we had to do two hour session and a break and another hour session. <laughs> These kids had just had breakfast. I would just drill them with the word, you know thinking we must preach, we must preach. But then we would go and have a time of fellowship and fun for like four hours. And what I learned after, I think, 12 years, four years South Africa, eight years here, was the fellowship and fun that they had had a major deal to do with what God did on Saturday night in power. Because that brought the walls down and that built relationship that God was just as involved in that as Saturday night, and the one was linked to the other. Yeah. So I started to plan times for fellowship and fun, and, and it would often lead to the power of God. Just wanted to share. Yeah. Just to encourage you, if you lead a home group, have a fun night some nights. Just have a fun night. Laugh. Have fun. I encourage you. All right. 
We've got another 14 more. No, we haven't. Okay. Cultivate. And you notice the words I'm using, cultivate. It means it takes time. Cultivate a bridal tongue. That's hard. James, read James, what James says about the power of this little thing, yeah, what it can do. But learn to cultivate. So when the thought comes in your head, think before you speak it. Just give it a couple of seconds. That's all it needs. Because something inside you rises up to want to say something to retaliate or prove a point or make a point and just give it a second or two. That's all. And you'll slowly realize over a period of time that comes quicker and that comes quicker and that comes quicker and that comes quicker. Words are vehicles. They contain hope or faith. They contain uh, hopelessness. They contain condemnation. They're vehicles. They carry something. And I've always said it, the words in your home will set the atmosphere in your home. It will. Okay. Next one to follow on. Cultivate a faith tongue. Speak what the Lord has said to you. Speak what the Lord has promised you. Speak what God has seen. Speak what you've seen and heard. Tell people what you've seen and heard. Tell your wife if uh, whatever. Just tell somebody what you've seen and heard, what's real to you. So what you're doing, you're speaking things of faith. That's what you're doing. So you're cultivating a faith tongue. That's what you begin to do. And it begins to flow over a period of time. The Holy Spirit loves these things. Embrace serving. I walked in today and there was this couple serving and it was wonderful to see a husband and wife serving. It really was. Um, your daughter-in-law and son, I mean your son-in-law and daughter, <laughs> was just wonderful to see, just, and those that stand there and welcome people. Thank you, thank you. It's wonderful to see when you come in, somebody's welcoming you, there's a smiling face, and it's just, you feel welcome. So thank you, embrace, I encourage you, embrace serving. Serving is the one of the heart of the kingdom. I don't know how many have watched that video, what's that guy that went to heaven? Jesse DePlantis, he says, when you get there, people just serve. That's all they do, serve, 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 serve. Jesus is called the suffering servant. He said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve, to lay my life down. So embrace serving, become a servant-hearted person, I encourage you, in your home. I'm getting myself into trouble here. Husbands, serve your wives. That will serve you. Husbands, learn to serve your wives as well. I encourage you. Serve. We'll leave it at that. Next one. Develop an ear to his voice. Develop an ear to his voice. I encourage you. Learn to develop an ear to his voice. Let that voice get louder and louder and louder and louder and louder. So it begins to trump out all the noise around us. And it takes a while. It really does. I found, these are just stuff that I've learned over there. When I help cultivate this, it creates an environment within that not only attracts the Holy Spirit, but allows him to work and empower and establish deep wells in me. That's what I'm allowing him to do. 
I'm allowing him to go and do what only he can do that I cannot do. It's giving him access. I'm hosting him. I'm hosting him to the best of my ability. Because I found the supernatural will always flow in an environment of safety, of joy, of thanksgiving, of gratitude, and where there's a safe leadership. The Holy Spirit will move. The Holy Spirit very seldom flows in an environment of judgment, criticism, standoffishness, cynicalism, offense, and non-participation. Often we want God to tell us something before we do it. I encourage you, begin to serve, and in the service, he will speak to you about things. That's the way it works. That's always the way it works. And so we're just learning to cultivate an environment of the ongoing activity of the Holy Spirit in my life. But it's not so much for me, it's for those out there. That's what it's for, ultimately. And so I encourage you, when he knocks on your door of your heart, invite him in, which many of you have done. But then learn to give him freedom. Host the Holy Spirit well. He's God. What a privilege to have God living inside of us. Incredible privilege. Even though life comes at us, even though things are tough at times. That's why Paul says, consider it these light and momentary troubles. Don't worry about them. Don't worry, because you're changing from one degree of glory to the next. And sometimes only some certain hardships that come our way can facilitate a change. That's what needs to happen within. But it's how we embrace that hardship. Praise him in all, give him thanks in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. Give him thanks, give him thanks. Anyway, that's it. There's probably more, but I don't remember more, so. Yeah, you want to say something, and then I'll pray, okay. So I felt to say a couple things, because I think there could be some wrong perceptions, even with just hearing this man speak, and you might be tempted to think that some of what he put together took a short period of time. It did not. I have seen and walked with Ken and Michelle for 20 of their 30-some-odd years in ministry. There are some sermons and things that you preach that took a very long time to prepare. What he has given to you is a list of things that has been shown to him over 30-some years of ministry that are proven. You can receive it as a list of great options and possibilities for you to try out. What he gave to you was a list of things that have been proven to facilitate what he described of the things of God. It has been proven. You oftentimes get people towards the end of their time, be it work, ministry, etc., and they get to deliver what they have learned over their time. And it's very easy to, it's tempting to say, well, that's a nice thing that I ought to consider and not actually feel the full weight of what was just delivered. And I felt to make sure that you had that in the forefront of your mind, that what he just gave to you took 30-some-odd years to cultivate for himself. I and Marie, we had the privilege of actually watching him do all these things in practice. It's not something that he would put on you and not incorporate for himself. So I, I'm gonna, he's going to pray, just as he said. 
But if there was something of what he spoke in some of the list of things that sparked something in you, I encourage you to act on it. Act on it not as, well, maybe this is going to work. Act on it because it will. So, Ken, I think it would be fantastic for you to pray. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. And I found most of these things come in family and in marriage. Ah, that's where it begins to really, really hit the road. So, Michelle's very lovely, very fortunate she married such a great guy. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> Sorry. I've got a joke when I get too intense. This is what helped me. Three little statements. God sent his son to us to be with us so he could live through us. God sent his son to us, receive. Everything has got to be received. I cannot earn it. I cannot work for it. I cannot, I just got to receive it. I got to learn to receive. But when I receive, let it go in. That's to be with us. That's a cultivation that takes place over a period of time so he can live through us. That's an activation. Father, I thank you so much that you decided to put the Holy Spirit within us. We thank you. And we want to say from the outset, we are not able to live this life without your Holy Spirit. It's an impossibility. And so I want to pray with my brothers and sisters, and I trust I'm praying on their behalf as well. We give you freedom and access. We want to host you well. We don't want to grieve you. We don't want to push you to the back of our lives. Show us your ways. Show us your ways, Lord. The word says Israel knew the deeds, but Moses knew your ways. Show us your ways. You said we're a light in a dark world. You said we're salt. We are asking you. We are asking you, Father, to allow the light to shine even brighter, to allow the salt to bring the flavor that it needs to bring where it needs to bring that flavor. Let people see through our lives what a great God you are. What an eternal, gracious, forgiving Father you are. How welcoming you are. How much you're for us and not against us. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the work that you promised to do. Thank you even now for your presence. Thank you. Thank you. And all God's people said, Amen. Bless you all.